Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I am so excited to be hanging out with you guys today and to share a really delightful conversation with my friend Morgan. I wanted to start off by thanking everyone who has taken the time to write a rating or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you guys so much. We did hit 100 reviews on Apple, which was a goal we set for the summer, and I am just truly so grateful. I love reading through every single one, and not only does it bless me personally and just encourage the work that I'm doing here on the show, but it also helps the algorithm recommend the show to other like-minded women. And so if you haven't taken the time yet to do that, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a rating or a review on whatever podcast app that you use. That would be so, so helpful. Also, I want to share about an exciting giveaway that we are doing on Instagram this week with Intentional Parents, which is a phenomenal ministry that I am so grateful to have in my own parenting journey. Intentional is made of Brooke and Elizabeth Moser and Phil and Diane Comer, and they have books and a podcast that I've recommended a couple times and now a film series, which is amazing. And so we are giving away a copy of their film series on our Instagram in this next week. So if you don't already, please follow us at Love in a Cottage Podcast. We also have that in the show description. And then um, also follow Intentional Parents and all of the details for that giveaway will be on that post. So you can go enter to win a copy of their incredible film series. John and I have gone through it and it has blessed us so, so much. And actually, if you haven't listened to episode number 31 with Elizabeth, she is part of that ministry and one of the co-hosts of the Intentional Parents podcast. So just want to encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. And I also want to preface today's episode with a little bit of sadness because my laptop was broken for about a week and my husband is amazing with sound. And so I was like, this is great. He can hook me up with like his fancy microphone he uses for his music projects. And I was so excited. And you guys, I thought I set it up right. I had practiced, but when I listened back to this recording of our conversation, It just does not sound super crispy, but I do just want to apologize for the audio quality on my end and preface by saying, if you are a first-time listener, usually my voice sounds like this during our conversations, but my laptop is fixed. I'm recording on it right now, and so I just wanted to add that, and truly, this conversation is so amazing. I think maybe even it was the enemy trying to steer people away from listening because Morgan has such an amazing story, you guys, and so much of what we're talking about today is God's heart for breaking generational patterns, cycles, um, curses, and also talking about trauma and God's heart for healing our trauma. 
And so a huge part of the show is going to be Morgan sharing her own story and some of the traumas that she experienced in her upbringing. And then towards the end, we will talk about, yeah, God's heart for breaking these generational cycles. And um, she'll also recommend some ways and resources that you can kind of start on your own journey in this. So I can't wait for you guys to listen. Let's get into my conversation with Morgan Dufault. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. I am so, so excited to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm seriously, like, truly honored that you asked me. So, mm. yeah, I am trying to remember how we got connected. People are probably sick of me saying that, <laughs> but it's so fun. Like, I don't know. I have really valued, like, getting to know different listeners and people on Instagram and you and I were just talking about like as a mom you know all the things we're doing throughout the day like using our airpods even though we know they're bad for us but like you gotta (laughs) do what you gotta do and for me I think like yeah developing friendships through the internet as strange as it sounds is just kind of a part of our culture for a lot of us these days and so all that to say I've loved getting like to know you a little bit and I'm so excited to hear your story like a little bit more in depth today but did you find the podcast or do you find like my personal account I can't really remember yeah I found the podcast when you had Elizabeth Moser on yes yes oh she is incredible I still can't believe she came on that was such a fun episode so you listened to intentional then is that right yes Yep. Yeah, I can't even remember how I found them, but my husband and I really appreciate. We actually purchased their film series and we're starting we're waiting to start with our friends cuz they're going to order it so that we can do it together like cross country. They live in Tennessee, so Oh my goodness. Wait, that is so special. And actually, okay, yeah. when this episode goes live, we are going to be doing a giveaway with them for their film series. Oh so whoever's listening, you probably like heard in the intro me talking about that but this is real organic right now Morgan and I both love that podcast and the film series so definitely go check it out but wow that is so cute that you and your friends are doing that that's so special um okay so could you give us a little intro about who you are what you do and where you and your family live yes so my name is Morgan my husband's name is Sam We have two girls. Harlan is three and a half and Florence, we call her Flora, is um, one and a half. So we have a Flora as well. Um, Every time I read your stuff, I like pause for a second and I'm like, wait, (laughs) because I don't know anyone else who is named Flora or has a child named Flora. So that's so special that we share that. Yes. I think it's such a cute name. My friend actually suggested it because her friend's daughter's name is Flora. And when I was pregnant, she was like, I could totally picture you having a Flora. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> it's it. It's we so cute. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we live um, about 30 minutes north of the Twin Cities in a cute little small rambler. It's like 1,050 square feet. <laughs> we have chickens. We have like three quarters of an acre and just, yeah, living life. Amazing. How long have you guys lived there for? Um, it will be three years this August, actually. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you 
had like um you had flora in this house and then you're having another one too yeah oh my goodness when do you do um september 15th so like two months from wait that is soon oh my goodness that is so exciting juliet's birthday first birthday is um 9-11 so (laughs) we around that same time but yeah that's so fun and is your third another girl yes oh oh my gosh you little women that is the best that's exactly what I told my husband I was like we're three quarters of the way there to little women (laughs) one more one more it's amazing (laughs) I love that well and just like hearing about your family and the way you speak about your girls and your husband like is so inspiring especially because I know like a little bit of your story and so that's basically what we're going to do today is have you kind of unpack that in like the first half of the episode and then we'll have like some more questions in a little bit but I know that you are so passionate about um breaking generational patterns and working through generational trauma and I think that is something that more people are finding value in and talking about. And obviously it's biblical, which I feel like when something unlocks in your brain and you like learn what it is or see it in your own life, then I don't know. I have read the Bible so much differently even. And it's just so amazing how God has designed families and like giving us, given us opportunities to um, break these generational patterns. But yeah, I know that your passion comes from, your own story. And so I just would kind of love to give you the floor to um, share a bit about your upbringing and then we'll kind of get more into present day and your heart now as a wife and a mom in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I always, (laughs) I struggle with like, um, I've been on this journey of like finding my voice and owning my story um, specifically through therapy that has just been really like empowering to me. Um, and so it's always just an interesting thing to like figure out how to share my story, but also honoring like people that have been a part of it. But, um, yeah, yeah. So just to give some background, um, my parents got pregnant with me when they were 18. So they were pretty young. Um, and they were 19 when I was born. Um, they ended up having, um, two brothers after me. So I have two full blood siblings. Um, and then when I was six years old, they divorced. I actually have like truly no memories of them together. And I don't know if that's because they weren't together a whole lot. I know there's a lot of like separation stuff that happened. Um, but I also know like trauma can literally like wipe things out of your brain where you kind of like block things out. So I don't know if that's part of it too, but yeah. Yeah, so I was six when they divorced, um, and basically um, grew up resenting my dad a lot. A lot of that was in part of my own experiences with him, um, never really feeling safe, um, struggling with not feeling loved or seen. Um, He was very young and um, had a lot of traumas from his own childhood as well. Um, so it was part in that. And then the other part was I had a really strong connection to my mom. Um, almost like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the term parentification where, um, 
a child kind of gets put in a parental role or a spousal role um, with their parents. So I definitely felt like a um, sense of protection and like loyalty to her. Um, And so, yeah, I grew up like really kind of resenting my dad, but we would go um, to his house every other weekend and every Tuesday night. Um, and my mom ended up remarrying when, oh gosh, I think I was like 11. Um, and she honestly, like given her upbringing and, um, certain traumas and honestly shame, I think that she was carrying, especially even from getting pregnant with me. Um, and she grew up in a very, um, Baptist Christian home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of shame that she was carrying. And even despite all that, I honestly, she was a pretty great mom from when she was a single mom in that season until she, I was about 11. Um, and then she remarried and she and my stepdad, unfortunately, just both had their own <laughs> upbringing traumas that they kind of just like had this really unhealthy cycle that would kind of feed off of each other okay. and bring out the worst in each other. Um, so yeah, they ended up having um, my two sisters together. So I have two half sisters. And then um, I, let's see, when I was 17, um, my mom came to me and she was like, we're moving to Colorado in three weeks and you can't tell anybody for two weeks. And I was like, what? (laughs) It was like my senior year of high school. Um, I was very, it was just very strange the way in which it happened. Um, she and my stepdad were claiming that God was like bringing them out to Colorado. Um, which still like to this day, I would not say like God didn't do that, but the way in which it happened was just very, um, interesting and didn't exactly feel like, um, God ordained, if you will. Um, my brother, Tommy was 15 and he was already living with our dad because he kind of chose like the lesser of two evils in his eyes at the time. So he chose to live with our dad and my, (coughs) excuse me. Um, my brother Alex was 11 at the time and, um, my mom like legally couldn't take him out of the state. So she left him on our neighbor's doorstep and we just took off for Colorado. There was no jobs lined up, no house lined up, nothing. Um, and so we went out there, we lived in a tent in an unfinished basement of my stepdad's family member's house. Um, thankfully, I had one of my aunt's friends that she went to school with knew we were out there and she was like, let Morgan come stay with us. She lived like half an hour away from where we were. Um, And so I actually lived with her and her family for three months. And over that three months, it was like this wild, um, I was prophesied over three times. I, they just like loved on me. I, it was definitely like a, a time in my life that like super marked me even like spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is your aunt's friend who was like yeah. reached out to you. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, she graciously offered for me to go live with them. And then my mom and stepdad found a house and um, we moved in. And at the time my sister Lily was six and my sister Josie was one. 
Um, so you're like 17 at this point. So like what an age gap too. Yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, we moved in and, um, things just like increasingly got more and more unhealthy. Um, and yeah, there was just this one night where my mom like kicked me off the computer and ended up like staying on the computer until 2 a.m. Um, reading through, I had my blog open, my email open, like all these different things. And in my hurts in isolation throughout my childhood, one way that like I had coped and escaped, if you will, was like chat rooms and very mm-hmm. inappropriate relationships with men and, um, yeah, just like sexual relationships and everything where I was just like searching, searching, searching for some kind of like connection and escape, almost yeah. like how people talk about with like drugs, like euphoric mm-hmm. escape. Like I was looking for like just an outlet. Yeah. Um, well, and I would imagine too, if you talked about like parentification earlier, if like in some way your mom, even as she's remarried, is still like relying on you or there's some type of like codependency, like extreme yeah. codependency to have someone who's like caring for you and looking out for you. Of course, that would be like appealing. Yes, you know? absolutely. And those are things like now in retrospect that like in my healing, the Lord has highlighted, like mm-hmm. this is actually what you were looking for at that time. And yeah, um, it was interesting because I still had a relationship with the Lord, but it was like, I had this whole like secret life almost that like nobody really knew about that I'd like log in chat rooms and talk to random people and all this stuff yeah um, yeah so were you you were like being raised in like you you would say like a Christian home throughout this whole time I imagine that's like complicated maybe I'm like jumping in this too. <laughs> no you're not jumping ahead um that's a great question um I always like knew who the Lord was And I think as much as my mom knew, I think she believed, like, she knew who the Lord was, but I still think, like, to this day, my mom does not, like, truly grasp the gospel. Um, And so, like, you know, that shift that happens, or it's like, wow, when it really pierces your heart, when you really get it. Yeah. Um, So, like, I grew up in church, and we actually, like, church hopped a lot, because she would kind of go from, like, people to people to people. To people um but we yeah it, it is a complicated question because it's yeah. like yes we grew up in the church and stuff but also like I would say even up until like a few years ago there's so much that I did not grasp about yeah even like theology and like correct theology and everything totally yeah and I think it's so interesting how much also like what comes to mind as you're talking about this like I've realized in my own life, and I think this could be said for a lot of people, like your view of your earthly parents and relationship with them, I think mm-hmm. colors our view of like the father so much more than we even oh imagine. God. Yes, that <laughs> I actually kind of had that in my notes as I was like preparing for today. Um, that's something just that the Lord has like super highlighted for me, even in the past like year or two specifically of like relearning who he is through like a true, a true lens, not a faded lens. Like 
him just like inviting me in to teach me, like learn who I am Mm -hmm. for who I truly am, not who you have like subconsciously, you know, made me to be or thought me to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So good. Thanks for going on all those tangents with me. Okay. So you're 17 living in Colorado um, and you were talking about how you were living with your aunt's friend and it was just like a really powerful time, even like spiritually really formational. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so then by the time when I moved back in with my mom and she found all this stuff on the computer, um, there was, it was just a really pivotal point. I actually remember her like looking at me and like screaming that Satan had like cursed our family and she couldn't even look at me. And, um, as a mother myself now, I'm able to imagine like, wow, that had to have like been gut wrenching to uncover, um, like this level of like secrets that your child was having. Um, but I think now looking back also, I'm able to see how much her own traumas like really impacted her response in that moment. Um, so essentially that kind of created where they, they took my phone, they made me delete all my accounts online. So I kind of dropped off the face of the earth to everybody back in Minnesota here, um, including family. And, um, yeah, by the time my 18th birthday rolled around, uh, my grandparents, my mom's parents, who I've always been very close to, um, offered to fly me back home to Minnesota. And I said, okay, like, let's do it. And I told my mom about it. It was like the week before my birthday, I think. Um, And she, again, trauma response, like, I can imagine she felt really betrayed. Um, And again, the parentification, I had become like a, a safe place for her. She would confide a lot in like her marriage with me and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so I felt such a tie to stay (laughs) because I felt so much like shame and guilt. Um, and after like the initial anger response, there was a response of like, we know you're having a hard time, you know, we'll pay a thousand dollars for you to go stay in a hotel for your birthday anywhere you want. And at the time I wanted a DSLR really bad for photography. And so I was going to like use like $700 of that for a camera and then just stay at a hotel in Denver. Um, And so that's what I did. And when my mom dropped me off at the hotel, she said, here's my cell phone. You can call Kimberly, which is my aunt and her sister, um, because she called for your birthday, but promise me you won't call anybody else. And I said, I promise. And I called my aunt, and she happened to be at my grandparents' house, which they are very close, but they don't see each other, like, incredibly often. Um, So that was just, like, really wild to me that she happened to be at my grandparents' house. Yeah. Um, And so, of course, it was, like... It was pretty emotional because, again, there wasn't, like, any communication even with my family and stuff with me. So my grandma was, like, crying and worried about me. And, you know, she 
I said, like, if I'm coming home, I need to like do it now or I'm going to feel pulled again to stay. Um, and so the next day my grandpa flew out to Colorado, met me at the airport and we flew back to Minnesota and I texted my mom, um, the next morning actually, as I was heading into church, um, and just said, like, I know this is going to hurt you. Um, but I had to do this for me and I want you to know that I love you and this isn't like a reflection on my love for you. Something mm-hmm. to that effect. I obviously, it's been 11 years, so I can't remember word for yeah. word what I said. Um, and her response was just something to the tune of like, I'm glad you didn't call. I don't want to speak to you ever again. Um, yada, yada. So we went two years with me like desperately trying to reach out to her for communication. I was living with my grandparents here in Minnesota, trying to get my feet back on the ground. Um, And I just remember like that it was a really painful season for me because we had had such a big enmeshment dynamic to our relationship. And then all of a sudden I went with my gut for something that I felt was best for me but I knew it would hurt her. And so it felt I was dealing with a lot of shame and, um, yeah, almost felt like I was like abandoning her, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And then at the same sense, like crying out for like, please just talk to me. (laughs) And I would either get like no response or a response that like God told her not to talk to me. And it's very like spiritual, abusive (laughs) not very like correct yeah Yeah. but um anyway so then like two years later on my birthday she actually called me on my 20th birthday and she like acted like we had just talked the other day and I was sobbing like or I hadn't talked to her for two years I've been trying 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 um and she's just like hey what's up yes yes oh my goodness Um, which again, this all sh- like in retrospect, I am able to see, you know, for a long time, I would look at this with, with such a um, like victim lens and it felt so personal to me. And so, which in a way, like how could it not, especially as a child? <laughs> um, yeah. But now I like, I think the biggest like pivotal moment for me in my healing has been like, the Lord giving me perspective of like, oh, this is not a personal thing at all. This is actually just like a lot of unresolved trauma that is coming out in a really icky way. And Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with me um, or even her love for me, which is something that took quite a while for me to to get to that point of viewing it that way. Because I, for so long, just felt so... um, abandoned myself and um, wounded. Um, So that kind of opened up, yeah, communication between her and I. It was very surface level, um, very surface level. And um, let's see, I honestly, like, we talked for a few years and then she actually ended up divorcing my stepdad, um, so my sister's dad. And... I honestly can't think (laughs) off the top of my head what like kind of broke our communication again. Um, It just kind of got to a hard point again where it was like, 
clearly a lot of unresolved trauma and tension and hurts all around. Um, And so that kind of, yeah, the last time I actually talked to her or heard from her was um, my husband and I got married in April of 2017 with a really small wedding in my grandparents' living room, actually. Oh my Um, goodness, how special. It was very special. Um, And then we had a blessing ceremony that following September, so like six months later, roughly. Um, And on the day of our blessing ceremony, she had sent me a text saying, you know, something to the tune of like, happy wedding day. I hope you have a great day. I love you. Something to that effect. Um, But that was the last time I talked to her. So that was five years ago. And then in the meantime, um, have also been on a journey of figuring out my relationship with my dad. Um, I think when I first came back to Minnesota, um, I actually hadn't seen him since I was 12 because I stopped going for visitation and we were kind of battling things out in court. Um, And it just, I felt this like invitation from the Lord of like, now's the time to open the door and like Mm -hmm. kind of soften my heart a little bit. Um, And so we met up um, and kind of like opened the door again to our relationship. Um, And so, (laughs) but that itself even has, um, yeah, I think I went quite a few years, like even up until like the past year or two, thinking that things were like healed and restored there. And in a lot of ways, like there has been growth within our relationship, but I think there's still a lot as I've dug into therapy um, and growing and stuff that has just become like really apparent to me. Um, and it's hard. I'm like, <laughs> to be honest, when you asked me to come on and talk about this, I almost said no, A, out of like, it's really, I love and crave vulnerability and authenticity, but it's just such a <laughs> vulnerable thing to like talk in this kind of platform about something so deep. Um, and then the other piece is like, part of me feels almost like imposter syndrome of like, who am I to speak into people's lives about this stuff when I'm like still in the thick of it. Mm. Um, But I really, like I had a friend that was like, people need to hear people that are still in the process of it, not just like at the finish line. Yes. Yes, Um, exactly. I think it can be so easy to be like, well, when I'm through this, then I can talk about it in this certain way, or it will all be wrapped up in a bow. And here's like the key lessons I can share. Yeah. And it is so messy because yeah, you're still like finding your footing and navigating it every day. So yeah, thank yes. you for yeah. your willingness to do that. And I think one question that comes to mind is how have you deciphered, like, how have you deciphered like what ownership to take of in your healing Mm. and like what to invite family members into I don't know if that makes sense like when you think about healing and processing trauma like are you thinking about doing it on your own are you thinking about sharing that as part of like working through that like sharing your feelings with family members or are you like more focused on your individual healing patterns. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, totally. Um, 
Yeah, there's so many factors to this. I would say number one, something that has been like really impactful for me has been realizing the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, and a lot of that is from, I don't know if you've heard of the podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves. A lot of people, I think Hannah Way was talking yes, about it. It's been recommended to me multiple times now. So I just yeah. have to go and listen. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot. I'm just, I always preface people with like, be gentle with yourself and it's okay to like press pause and come back later because it yeah. can just be a lot to take in. But Hannah did a really good job on your podcast talking about like, how Adam, I think his last name is Young, the um, host of the podcast, is a Christian therapist. And then it's like he does such a good job of meshing the two worlds of like mm -hmm. really grasping trauma in the psychological piece of it. And God created us, right? So this is like a part of our humanity. Yeah. And also like the biblical aspect in meshing the two together. And to be honest, that has been something that like I have not seen meshed really well in like the church as a whole. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, he talks about that quite a bit on that podcast of like, you know, forgiveness can happen and solely rely on one person, you. Like you can forgive whether the other person um, – plays a role in it or not reconciliation takes an acknowledgement from the other person of like this is how I harmed you and hear my heart when I say like I am remorseful for my actions and I get it and I'm committed to not repeating the same behavior um because I think like at least for me growing up in the church I just had this like picture of like we need to forgive, we need to forgive. And I even think there's like, almost um, a way that, you know, the verse about forgiving 70 times seven has been used in terms of enabling cycles of abuse and diminishing <laughs> and minimizing cycles of abuse. Um, wow. Where it's like, yes, we are called to forgive. But um, even Jesus knew when it was time to get up and continue on to the next town, if you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, that is such a powerful distinction. Yeah. So I think for me, I just, I hit this point specifically after I had Flora um, almost two years ago, two years ago in November, um, where I truly believe like when we, every time we give birth, there's like a piece of us that is almost born to where it's like, yes. You know what I you know what I mean. You just yeah. like you can feel that shift. And um I felt that shift the when I had Harlan and then I felt that shift again when I had Flora and it I feel like this um level of my traumas and hurts and pain kind of came to the surface that and it was very exposed where I was like, Whoa, I thought I had this stuff like dealt with and <laughs> figured out and healed yeah. and all this stuff. And so that's when I started going to therapy weekly. Um, so it's been a little over a year and a half now. And I have just been like, I still go weekly <laughs> a year and a half later. Um, I thought it would be like maybe six months of going weekly and then go down to like one month or something. But every 
every time I sit down with my therapist, we do it online during the girl's nap, which is very nice and convenient. But I am always like, how this is just wild. I would like never run out of stuff to dig into with her. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I personally have just tried to keep my eyes like on my own road, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I just really felt this invitation from the Lord of like, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me. And um, I, I think I found myself in quite a bit enmeshment within my family, like not just with my mom, um, but with other relationships as well that I felt like easily distracted by and almost like responsible for, um, and kind of felt like I needed to fix everything and all these different things. And so I think it just came to a point of freedom when I realized like, whoa, I can actually like focus on partnering with the Lord and healing these things in myself. And naturally, like my family may notice these pieces. Um, It's funny, when I started therapy, I remember my therapist saying to me, like, you know, I'm just going to warn you as you get into like healing and growth, it's either going to inspire others or agitate others. And she said, you just need to know, like, it's not a personal reflection on you. Um, if they feel agitated, it's usually because they, they know deep down, like they have things that they need to like heal and grow into. Well, yeah. Um, what a yeah. Good <laughs> yes. Well, it's so funny because <laughs> just, to be honest, like just a few weeks ago, I was going through something a little difficult with a family member and I was crying with my husband and I told, I looked at him and I was like, Jenny warned me of this, that people would be agitated. <laughs> but I was like, it doesn't make it any easier. It's really hard when it's like, you know, deep down, but it's still just navigating the nitty gritty parts of it. It, it can be really like difficult. So totally. And I feel like yeah. what's so challenging too, because I've shared a bit about my own therapy journey and my husband obviously got his master's in marriage and family therapy. It's like challenging because I find that I like want freedom for people so bad. Saying that from a place of like, I've arrived or I fully yield because there's constantly like things coming up um, to sort through as well. But like, yeah, I have this intense desire that often translate to just like being hurtful when I'm like Mm. you would love like this would be so helpful for you but who wants to be told like you should go to therapy like no one no one really wants to be told that and so it is I think it's so great that your therapist told you that so you could like not be as caught off guard Mm -hmm. fixing trying to fix people like never works but always a temptation for me it is it is hard and I feel like again like that was kind of a pivotal point for me my healing was for the longest time like I said I felt like more of a victim mindset and like look at me like I've I have abandonment wounds from both of my parents and you know all this stuff and it just really shifted when like the Lord just gave me so much clarity and vision for like compassion for them Mm. where it was like 
all of a sudden there was a shift of instead of looking at them and seeing my hurt and my pain, um, like 100% for true reconciliation to happen, like there does need to be an acknowledgement of like what has happened in order to move forward in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just being able to see them for like how God looks at them and sees them and also acknowledging like both of my parents have a lot of their own yuck um that honestly like breaks my heart um I think it just like the Lord has softened my heart to a point where I I look at them and I just like want more for them like you said like I just have this like desperate need to just like oh man the freedom that you could have and the domino effect that that could have not just my relationship with them but even like their marriages and their relationships and their businesses and their relationships with my siblings. And, Mm. um, yeah, just like, I truly believe the Lord's heart is for wholeness and healing. And, um, you know, the thing with that is like, he needs our partnership. You know, I think for the longest time I used to view God as like a solo act, like, okay, God, you, you do your thing, you heal and, you know, fix this. That'd be great. Um, but just like that shift in realizing like, well, we were actually created for partnership and connection and God like craves that from us. He craves our yes. Like he wants a true Yes, no different than I want my husband to give me his yes out of his true, genuine love for me, not because he feels obligated, you know? Um, and so, just like, yeah, realizing like we have the power to partner with the Lord and heal these things in us instead of letting it carry on into the next generation, which is kind of like wraps things up to where we are now. Um, Ironically, when my husband and I like started dating and like into our engagement, we just felt the Lord like pressing the word legacy on our hearts. And at the time it was like, oh my gosh, this sounds so like beautiful and whimsical and like, yes, legacy, you know, (laughs) you see it on necklaces (laughs) and stuff like that. And now it's like, we're in the thick of like navigating what does that look like to like break generational stuff and heal the parts in us so that we can be the best, like not only for our kids and within our marriage, but even for ourselves, like instead of carrying yuck that just, you know, spills out in one way or another. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like what that looks like. Yeah. No, that's so powerful. And I'm curious, like, I imagine like when you got pregnant, that just brought up so much, even like you were saying earlier, like how whenever you birth a new child, like a new part of yourself is born. Um, I imagine that just caused like so much reflection, thinking about how you were going to like parent your own children. And I'm curious, um, did you find any of your parents' patterns, like, I guess, coming to the surface in their own ways in yourself? Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, why am I acting this way? Or like, where is this coming from? I still experience that, to be honest. You know, I think like for all of us, it's like such a 
in the moment thing right. You can know all the right things with parenting and even like your talk with Hannah Way about anger and stuff. Um, I notice that is something that rises up for me a lot when I'm feeling like triggered, if you will, in parenting. And it's usually in moments of like my kids are having emotions Um, big emotions and I subconsciously feel like that's a reflection on me and I should be able to get it under control and fix it for them. And again, these things that were kind of like ingrained in me as a child that I needed to fix things for everybody and be a parental role when I was six years old and all these different things. And so um, it is like, honestly, a day by day thing of like, I do not always get it right. I share stuff often on Instagram about like, you know, helpful parenting accounts and podcasts and stuff. And like, it has all been so helpful, but it is just like a daily surrender of like, Lord, give me fresh eyes and like, just really, you know what I mean? Like, you just have to... Sometimes it's just a figure it out in the moment type of thing. And as much as like we are intentional with like reading books and podcasts and all these different things, like we just, you know, some of it is so you just figure it out like as you go along and we're not always going to get it right. I remember telling my therapist when I first started therapy I was like, I started crying and I was like, I feel sick to my stomach imagining my kids coming to me someday and saying like, this hurt me in my childhood, or I wish you would have done this differently or X, Y, Z, you know, I was like, I cannot even like, it makes me feel sick to even think about that. And she was like, well, it is going to (laughs) happen. She was like, it's like inevitable because you're human. It's just a matter of like, you being humble enough to like acknowledge like, yeah, I could have done that better. And so I think that's something that I try to focus on with my kids. Like when I do, you know, lose it in the moment or things like that, just being really vulnerable enough and humble enough to like look them in the eye and say like, mama shouldn't have yelled like that. Like, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, it just, I think them seeing it modeled for them is like super impactful and something that like I still wish I could have for my parents to be honest is like an acknowledgement of like I see how this hurt you and I am sorry for that you know yeah um so impactful so yeah yeah I have played out the same thing in my mind like this is so prideful even I feel like now so this is a confession everybody I'm like I wonder like I'm sure it will happen I'm sure my kids will come to me and be like you know I wish you would have done this better but I wonder what they could possibly say I wonder what it will be you know like mom why did you feed us grass-fed meat and raw milk like I don't know so Lord continue to humble me because I know there's plenty already that I have done wrong you know but it is it is a heartbreaking thing and I think it's motivating I mean it's like this weird tension of like of course our kids are going to wish that we did things differently at a certain level and of course we will like fail as parents and also not letting that be like an excuse or enabling and I think you've just 
done this so beautifully. And I'm so grateful for the voice you are in this space because that can actually be so empowering. Like I heard someone say once to not get like bogged down by that potential um, scenario that will happen in the future. And they said like, at least you're thinking about things. So when your kids come to you, you'll have a reason why, like if they're like, I don't know, why did you baptize me as baby? Or why did you do this or that? Like, at least if you're trying to be as intentional as possible and like humbly submitting yourself to the Lord, you'll have a reason why. And if they still don't agree, like that's okay. But being thoughtful and not just being like, I don't know, we just kind of did it. Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And again, like in retrospect, I can now look back and see like, holy cow, my parents were so young and truly like had not even like no awareness really from what I've gathered of like their traumas and stuff. So of course, like they were just like, you know, kind of aimlessly doing it and yeah, in survival think, mode. yes, absolutely. And I also like, I know there was a lot of like um, trauma even for both of them in their divorce and things like that. And I think in a lot of ways, like, they used us kids almost as pawn pieces to like try and hurt each other. And Mm. so it's just helpful again to like have perspective of like realizing the dynamics and like how all these things play a role. And so that you can know it's like, again, not a reflection on me or even their love for me. Like I really think as much as they were capable of like, they kind of did their best with what they had. Yeah. Um, and but it's it hard, is hard having to like adjust the standard because you have all this knowledge and information and to like, I don't know, give a free pass of sorts. It's not exactly it, but yeah, it's like moving the standard so hard. Yeah, it's very, I think that was something that was like especially hard for me um, when I first started jumping back into therapy because I actually went to therapy from, it was court ordered when my parents divorced when I was six and I went all the way until I was 22, but I didn't find the therapist I clicked with until I was like 12. Um, and so I saw her for about 10 years and then life just kind of got busy when I got 22 and it kind of like, I don't know, fell to the wayside. And then after I had Flora, um, there was specifically like something that happened in my family that triggered, um, a a lot of childhood trauma for me, um, that I, it was just very, again, like I said, very exposed where it was like, okay, I have to do something with this. And for a lot of my drive was like, I cannot put my kids through what I went through as a kid. Like I cannot, pass that on and I refuse to be the one to pass that on um but then in the same sense it was stomaching the fact that like my parents did pass it on and that they you know for a while I felt like what was it like why wasn't I good enough for them to feel like man I want to like heal myself so I can be the best mom that I can be for Morgan you know totally um it's just, it was a really rough thing to like wrestle with. <laughs> yeah. And I think something else that's like tricky too is like, I'm so grateful that we're a part of a generation in a time where there are things like the podcast you recommended and just like resources, because I know my mom has said like, 
I I wish I knew this stuff 20 wow. years ago. Like I had no idea. Like I didn't have any of these resources and like I would do so many things differently because like she loves intentional parents too. And she's like, why are, where was this information, you know, when we were raising you? And so I think that's even been like cool um, and helpful for me because I can be such an idealist and such a like stickler, like, well, I know this information and why didn't you, you know, and, um, and apply that to like different relationships now. And so I just think I'm encouraged by, um, how you share that in like (laughs) to show grace to people. Is that not the gospel? Like I have to go back to, to that in a sense. So I think that's so good. Um, and I love that. And yeah, where would you like kind of point people, um, whether that's resources or next steps or just biblical encouragement, um, as far as like a first step to like recognizing and wanting to heal from like generational patterns? Mm. That was a giant question. Um, yeah, it is. Um, but it's a question I actually get asked often. And every time I'm still like, oh man, it's so loaded. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like, one of the most impactful verses is Psalm 2710, which says, my father and mother abandoned me, but you, Yahweh, took me in and made me yours. And so I really, like I was saying before, I believe like every one of us has an invitation from the Lord to partner with him in healing and just knowing and feeling empowered and the fact that like, you can still heal whether the people around you are choosing to heal and get healthy themselves. Like you, you get to choose what you do with your heart and um, yeah, just like partnering with the Lord in that and relearning like who he is. Like I said, despite like the subconscious thoughts that we have built up over time from our own traumas and um, I really do believe like specifically in regards to like mother father relationships with their kids. Um, I have no doubt that God creates everything with intention, of course. And so the role of a mother and a father is so intentional in so many ways. Like he didn't just make a mother. He didn't just make a father. He made a mother and a father. And both of those roles play such a big part in our upbringing and how we frame life. And I believe his heart in creating the role of a mother and father was to be an extension of his discipleship and his unconditional love. And um, yeah, just like a reflection of his heart. And so when one or both of those are missing or lacking or, you know, total opposite where it's abusive, um, that can just, again, totally seep in even subconsciously to our viewpoints of like how we view God. And I think for a long time, I was just like in survival mode of like, I need to protect myself, protect myself, protect myself, because that's how I had conditioned myself to respond. Um, not feeling protected and safe by my parents, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say like the first step is just like acknowledging that (laughs) there is something there to heal in the first place. And um, I think awareness plays like a big role in it. And even just like asking the Holy Spirit, like, 
make me aware, Lord, of like, what needs to be healed? Like, what do you want to work on inside of my heart? What do you want to heal? You know, how do you want to create redemption in my story? And then having like a humble and willing heart to partner with him in the work, Mm -hmm. because yes, God heals, but again, like he wants our yes in it and he wants our partnership. And, um, as much as like healing sounds so again, like poetic and things, it's really a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work (laughs) and it takes a lot of, um, intentionality and getting down to the nitty gritty pieces that you may not even realize are there. Um, so that's kind of more like a broad picture, but like logistically, I would say like therapy is truly a remarkable tool that the Lord gives us. Um, I really think he has gifted so many, it makes me sad when I hear of like people that have really icky experiences with therapy because to be honest, just like any other, you know, profession, there's a wide variety of therapists. So just because somebody's a therapist doesn't mean, <laughs> you know, they're on point, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. So, yes. Um, My husband actually has gotten on his soapbox about this many times. <laughs> oh, I am sure. And yes. he should, because it's like, it's so true. And, um, Yet in the same sense, they're really, I really do believe like the Lord is like creating like a, um, just a new wave of like counselors to just walk alongside people and healing. Um, and just in general, like you were talking about our generation and the resources that we have and stuff, you know, even like three years ago, I did not see stuff being talked about nearly as much as it is now with like boundaries and generational traumas and um, just like the awareness and even like vocabulary that is coming out and um, like what a gift it is to have these resources and things. But I really like the Lord actually gave me a vision last week (laughs) um, where it was like, I was on the beach and there was like this huge wave coming And it, but yet everything felt completely still and peaceful. And I just felt like a whisper that said, like, there's a new wave coming. Mm -hmm. And the wave came and like washed a bunch of stuff off of the beach. And I really, I have like goosebumps right now talking about it. Yeah. But I just feel like this is just, I mean, it's always been the Lord's heart to heal and to restore and redeem. But I see such an invitation in this time um, that we're in, even in the world, like where God is just inviting more and more and more, like continuously knocking on people's doors to partner with him in healing and like changing the trajectory generationally and having things like, you know, putting a line in the sand and saying like, no more, it stops with us. And again, like, my husband and I do not get it perfect all the time. We have things we're continuously working on and we fail and all the things but I think what makes an impact is the awareness and like the humble willing heart to be in tune with the Lord and yeah yeah that is so powerful thank you 
so much. I imagine so many wheels are turning for people right now and things are clicking yeah. into place. And I just know that it also, like you said, takes so much vulnerability to share your story as you're still in process. And I think the more I like get to talk with people like you, the more I realize people, like you said, they need to hear from people who are in yeah. process, not just people who are like on the other side, because so many of us are in process and that is what makes it like relatable. And I also mm-hmm. just want to say, um, I love that. Like, ultimately I think the different, what I hear you saying is that like the differentiation or the difference between people who are like partnering with the Lord and giving him their yes and seeking healing is that humility. And I love like something that I've been trying to do is just pray out loud so much more, even around my girls and allow that to be like a passive teaching or mentorship of sorts. And so I've been praying from Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, Especially after I get like irritated and I could cry. I probably will. Flora has been saying she's been repeating it after me and she says um how is how she says heart and she says oh god is oh god and it's just like everything else is kind of like mumbly jumbly but she just says like yeah how oh god it's so cute yes (laughs) it's and that's a whole other layer of all of this is like how healing it is you know to watch our children like just, I don't know, that's been something that's been healing for me is like seeing my girls even like have a dad where they like, well, I'm going to cry. They never have to question if their dad loves them. Um, You know, he may lose his temper, he may get frustrated, all these things. But like, um, that's another piece of redemption in my story is like how blessed I am to have the husband that I do. He's just... um, yeah, he's amazing in so many ways. <laughs> I could, mm. that could be a whole podcast in itself. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so healing to see that and see like, okay, this is a new beginning. You know what I mean? Like we do not have to carry, we're not, you know, just automatically written off as another generation to carry on this hurt and trauma and all this stuff. Like we can change the trajectory for our kids and their kids and everything. And just, um, there's so much like peace and freedom that comes Mm -hmm. with that. And I just think it's so beautiful. Like, like you said, like Flora is so cute that she is like seeing and observing because that's a culture that you're creating in your home. And like, we all get to choose the culture that we're cultivating in our homes. And there's just so much like empowerment in that. Exactly. Yeah. um, The Mosers and Comers at Intentional say like caught, not taught quite a bit. And I just love that. And one more thing I want to plug is, um, my friend Zan started a podcast called the one degree podcast. She was on the show like pretty early, like episode uh, seven or eight, somewhere around there, but it's totally the same concept. Like if you change your course one degree, it's absolutely going to change the trajectory of your life. So, um, that's another great podcast recommendation. So many great podcasts coming out of this. Um, well, we are just going to wrap up with the same questions that I get to ask every single guest. I want to thank you again for sharing your story and for, um, yeah, just humbly sharing with us. But Morgan, what are three things that you have been loving? (laughs) 
<laughs> so to like take it another way after all the heaviness um yeah I love it okay so um yeah I actually ironically wrote down the intentional parents podcast even though we already talked about that um oh but like a tie-in yes yeah a tie-in with that has been John Mark Comer's books um I so I'm an Enneagram six and so in stress I go to an any the unhealthy parts of an Enneagram three, which you're three wing four, right? I am. Yes. Okay. I thought I was a seven throughout college and then whenever I dug into like core um like desires mm-hmm. and fears of a three, I'm like, oh no, this is me. Like I like to have fun, but like must accomplish all the things, you know. Okay, that is funny because my husband is a seven, but when he took the test before he like dove into it personally, yeah. it typed him as a three. And so I think there's a lot of, yeah, like crossover there. Totally, yeah. Um, but so anyway, in stress, I can very much so go into like achiever, like unhealthy yeah. <laughs> level. Yeah. Are you like stress like, cleaning like must be perfect? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, and do, do, do. And I have like, I have two businesses too. So like, sometimes I can get so wrapped up and then uh, it's like, yeah, okay, I need to like scale back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his book about the ruthless elimination of hurry was just like, Oh, I feel so convicted right now. Like in such yes. a good way, like, yes. wow, just a healthy conviction of like reframing and awareness. So, mm-hmm. um, that was something that I recently finished that really blessed me. Um, and then the pain-free birth course I have been doing. Oh my goodness. Um, I think I saw you posted something about this on your stories recently. And I feel like I've heard the name, but I don't really know much about it at all. Okay. So I think her name is Karen and, um, she's just amazing. She's a believer. And like in her course, she straight out like prays over you and like breaks off like spirits of fear and everything I received that Karen Um, yes exactly exactly um and so she she even goes into like biblically breaking down like how it's actually not correct theology that we believe that Eve was cursed with painful childbirth and she even goes into like the Hebrew meaning of that verse and everything it is it's so incredible and then I bet that's like mind shattering I'm so oh it is it is. And ironically, we had somebody at our church like teach a course on it. I wasn't able to go, but I remember my friends saying like, oh my gosh, she went into like the biblical pieces of it. And it was yeah. amazing. So we did, um, we had a natural hospital birth with Harlan for our first and everything went great. Flora, we had a home birth and she was born in less than two hours. <laughs> um oh <my> <laughs> I don't think I could even, if I wanted to, make it to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and then this one, we're going to have another home birth. But this time we decided to actually do it like without any support people. Um, so we're having our midwife, but we're not going to have a doula this time. It's just going to be my husband and I. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, like my aunt has been a part of Harlan and Flora's birth and um, – in addition to our doula. And we just really felt like an invitation from the Holy Spirit to, um, I actually had like a prophetic word shared over me that I shared on Instagram. Um, that was remarkable, but anyway, people can go look at that if they want to, but we just, yeah, felt an invitation from the Lord to like press into him as our safety and security and birth instead of like a person. Mm. And, 
um, yeah, so I'm kind of like shifting my perspective of like, okay, this time it's just going to be us and our midwife who's going to be hands off, like just observing to make sure that everything's going well. So yeah, that's kind of where we decided to do the pain-free birth course. And it's just been amazing to kind of get in the mindset again. Like, obviously I've had two births before, but just, you know, it never hurts to like, just get in the right mindset. And yeah. yeah. Well, it's amazing how every child is different. Every birth is different. Like, oh, yeah. it's not like clockwork at all. Like, I don't know. I think it's so awesome that you're again on the topic of humility like willing to continue learning and I am so excited to see and hear how that pans out for you and your sweet baby girl oh my goodness do you guys have any names picked out we just decided on a name two days ago but we're not sharing it yet ironically um yes I know it feels good to like finally have it because I thought we were going to be the people that like I was going to give birth and still not know. And I was worried about that. But ironically, my friend that suggested Flora's name was the one that suggested this name. And I was like, oh my gosh, son of a gun. You you just named two out of three of our kids. Okay. (laughs) That is so fun. It's so awful now. I can't wait to hear it. That's going to be so special. Where can, oh, I'm literally messing up my own questions. How can we as a community be praying for you, Morgan? Oh, I love that you asked that, by the way. Every time I listen to your episodes and you hit that point and asking that question, I just like love your heart behind that. It's mm-hmm. so sweet. Um, yeah, I would say like definitely for our birth and welcoming new life into our family. Um, and just for like this next season for us, we're kind of just in this um like feeling out what the Lord has for us. And we kind of feel like we'll probably be moving in the next year, but we really have like, honestly, no clue where (laughs) we don't feel like a a big pull anywhere specifically. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of just feel like hands open, like, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? And I have no doubt that like, he will give us discernment and like wisdom on where to go and it'll be amazing. But um, yeah, we're definitely like, I feel like that almost like you're on a roller coaster and you're going like up, 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 up. And you know, it's like, I don't know where I'm going really yet, but I can tell this is going to be like a new season type of thing. Yeah. So. Wow. And I imagine like, it just makes sense that that's all happening at the same time that yes. you're having this new baby, but obviously that's chaos. Like we moved yes. right after Juliet was born and yeah, it's just a shifting of seasons. So we will definitely be praying for like discernment and just for you guys to have peace throughout this whole process of kind of hearing from the Lord and what's next. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah. So I have a private Instagram, but I truly love connecting with people. And like you said, I am like very passionate about um, just talking about like healing and um generational things and stuff like that. I'm very pretty open on my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have a private one for a multitude of reasons, but I'm always happy to accept like new followers that aren't creepy randos. Yeah. Like random (laughs) Um, men from other countries. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So my handle is she is of the sea. I love that. Is there a story I have to ask? I actually was thinking about that today. 
Yeah, it's actually the meaning of my name. Oh my gosh, yeah, stop. Morgan Mead. Yeah, Morgan means of the sea. So then that's how I got my business name too, C and Ivy, yeah. because Ivy is Harlan's middle name and my name means um, of the sea. So actually it was my aunt's idea. It was not my idea, but that's how we got it. I love that. Well, also totally support the whole private Instagram thing every day. I'm like, Lord, what do I do with this? How do I balance? Oh my goodness. I'm about to launch into another podcast episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. just like opening that can of worms. But yes. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a joy to talk with you in real life. And I know so many people are going to be blessed by your story. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I'm so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. Here are a few ways you can connect with our community and support the show. So the first way is to share the show with a friend. This is actually how most people find our show, and I am so thankful every time you do this. You can text them a link, or you can also share the show on your social media. This ultimately helps the algorithm get our show to more like-minded women who can find our community. And I also just love reading through your comments. They mean so much to me and are so encouraging. And finally, you can actually donate to the show by Venmoing Paige Geidel or sending via PayPal to hello at pageguidel.com. I'm currently working on getting a website up and running, so this is more official, but it does cost time and resources and energy to create the show. And even just $5 helps so much with all of the monthly fees and time. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm so thankful for you and we will see you next week for another episode.